On today's episode of Pushback Talks, Frederick and I are going back to the Netherlands, where housing protests have erupted in cities across the country. Housing in the Netherlands is under a lot of pressure. In the last 10 years, they've seen homelessness double, and in the last year, they've seen steep rises in rents, particularly in the city of Rotterdam, the country's second largest city and its poorest. 60% of Rotterdam residents qualify for social rents, but the city government has taken a policy to demolish social housing and to replace it with more expensive units. This has caught the attention of the United Nations, and it's not surprising that tenants are pushing back. Recently, there was a huge protest in Rotterdam with 7,000 people demanding that housing be more affordable and resisting the selling off of social housing, really asking for a different approach, one that recognizes housing as a human right. I'm Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. And this is Pushback Talks, and we're going to talk about the Netherlands. We've done it before, but there's been big protests in the streets of Amsterdam. And this weekend, Sunday, there was a big protest in Rotterdam, the second biggest town of, of uh, the Netherlands. So we have today two guests. Two for the price of one. We have uh, Gwen van Eyck who is an urban sociologist at the Erasmus University in Rotterdam. And she's been out on the streets this weekend with Vaughn Upstand, the housing revolt. So welcome to Pushback Talk, Gwen. How was it in, on Sunday? It was great. So many people came out. It was the second protest. The first protest was uh, in September on the 12th. Uh, 15,000 people came to Amsterdam. Uh, and this was the second protest in Rotterdam. I think... Um, Somewhere between 8,000 and 10,000 wow. people. Um, so that's that's great. We haven't seen so many people on the streets for this uh, issue uh, in, in the last years or even decades, I see. There hasn't been a day since, uh, I think, two months ago um, where media hasn't been talking about housing issues. And also I see a shift in the conversation about what housing issues are ta- being talked about for the, the financialization, for example, I think that wasn't a mainstream topic, uh, and now it, it's becoming a mainstream topic to talk about. So, the stuff we talk about in in the film, basically, <laughs> financialization, exactly, and yes, housing is a human <laughs> right. You know, in the end of the film, uh, yeah. Leilani is is forming a, a new organization called the Shift, and the Shift is she has been growing that uh, for a while since you stopped. Uh, as a UN Special Rapporteur, and, and there is now a shift opening up in the Netherlands, and we have here Jan de Vries. You are the, the founder of Shift the Netherlands and, and also a leading housing advocate. Welcome to Pushback Talks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, um, uh, I've, I've been involved with the right to housing now for the last six years, uh, also when it, when it wasn't considered a right yet in, the, in, the, in Dutch uh, political language. Um, so, um, and, and I've been, I'm, I'm a representative of the shift, <clears throat> which Leilani, of course, founded uh, when at the end of her uh, rapporteurship uh, and trying to push at least the, the human rights language 
and the content of what it means uh, explicitly to 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 refer to the rights of housing and to use it as a basis for for housing strategies um, in the Netherlands. And um, as such, I've been uh, involved on very much in the background because the real activists are, are Gwen and, and Mustafa and Edwin, all these, these people who've been uh, working on the Woon protest and Woon opstand in the Netherlands. But in the background, I think it's very important uh, for me as an advocate, as a human rights advocate, also to explain in the papers, in, in the media, uh, to uh, uh, politicians, to activists, that saying something is a right and housing is a right also means something. And, and what it means is, uh, is, is sometimes quite complicated um, and, it, and it needs to be explained. I was thinking as I was getting ready for our podcast today, what's my trajectory with the Netherlands? And in first of all, I got my housing start. This is something Frederick doesn't even know. I worked uh, internationally at an organization that doesn't exist anymore called CORE, the Center on Housing Rights and Evictions, which was based in Utrecht. So I've actually been there, and that's where I kind of got my housing start. But when I became rapporteur in 2014, one of the very first communications that I filed, that's like this legal letter that we write to states, was to the government of the Netherlands for their failure to provide emergency housing for refugees and migrants. Uh, cities wanted to, but the national level government wasn't giving money to the municipalities for the municipalities to have spaces. So that was my first. And then Frederick, we had the amazing screening of Push in Amsterdam. What was the name of the theater? This grand... The, the Carré Theatre, the big circus building in Amsterdam. It was 1,300 people attending, and it was hosted by one of the big newspapers. It was really cool. And I'm, it, and the film has also been on TV several times in the Netherlands. So, it, of course, it's, it, it has, it's, it's very cool that the, the film kind of plays a role uh, in the debate. And that can de it can be used. I mean, the film is nothing without local activists, of course. Uh, but I think it w we, when your language comes through, it's easier to talk about things. And, and Gwen, it's obviously that you are actually moving things now. It's a big step, this big, big protest. I, th I think so, yes. Um, I think we've started a, a, a... Well, there was already a housing movement in the Netherlands, but now we've started a series of um, protests uh, in various cities. So... Um, Various other cities are protesting uh, end of October and The Hague, uh, big city as well, um, in November. Groningen, uh, in the north of the Netherlands, um, end of November. And so I think that that's, that's looking really hopeful uh, that other cities are now, um, other groups are, um, yeah, are, are continuing this. And that we are also able to, uh, to connect um, more action groups, more local groups, um, and to um, yeah, to to make this movement um, even bigger. So, how was it yesterday? Tell us about how was the day yesterday. It was great. Um, we invited speakers who um, who are activists themselves. So, um, you know, we we wanted to show something of of 
you know, how are people hit, being hit by the housing crisis, but also how to, how to become involved in, in activism in, in very different ways. That's cool. John, I mean, what, we talk a lot about that the, the, housing cri the financial crisis in 2008 kind of changed uh, many things in the global housing market, but it seems like also in the Netherlands that it's actually political decisions much later on that even made it, this problem even worse. So it's kind of this kind of deregulating neoliberal politics have still been up been modern up to like five years ago or something like that. Absolutely. I look at it purely from a human rights perspective, and that, that gives me a sort of objective, apolitical view on it. Um, so, so what I try and do is I, I try and look at, 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 the, um, at housing from a human rights perspective, and looking at it from a human rights perspective means that you look at the rise of homelessness, you look at marginalized housing, you look at how many people can't pay the rent, you look at all of these elements that are elements of the right to adequate housing. And what, what really surprises me is that when I started doing this in about 2015, um, all of the indicators were red, all of them. I mean, uh, more and more people were paying more and more uh, of their income on, on rents, uh, energy prices went up, uh, Exact, uh, homelessness skyrocketed and uh, there was no talk of a housing crisis at all at that moment. So what you see is looking back at it, what the politicians and uh, the minister were really focusing on were things like housing prices. You know, after 2008, the housing prices dropped. So the top priority for politicians was to get the housing prices up, which was the thing that they steered on, right? A lot of policy decisions can be brought back to those indicators. And they're not human rights indicators. You look at the human rights indicators and you look at the policies that have uh, impacted on those human rights indicators, certainly on homelessness, absolutely. Um, there you see a lot of decisions that are made. If people had the right to housing in mind, they wouldn't have made that decision. With Gwen and with the people from Moan protest, we were invited to the Ministry of Interior and the minister wanted to talk to us about the protest and, and listen to our claims. There she also indicated, you know, when I took this portfolio four years ago, I couldn't have anticipated that this would be such a big issue now, right? Because the Minister of, of Housing, which we had a separate minister for, said that, well, housing can be left to the market now. It's, it's finished. It's, it's done. But I thought, well, four years back, that's like 2017. And I can recall that homelessness was enormously on the rise. We knew all of these numbers about people not being able to pay their rent. We knew the numbers of evictions, et cetera, et cetera. So the issue wasn't that there wasn't a housing crisis then. The issue was that the indicators they were looking at were not human rights indicators. They weren't steering on, let's realize the right to housing. They were looking at it from a purely economical perspective. Interesting, Leilani, because 2017 was the year we started to do a push. I started to, we, we met, and it's true that the, the, the global debate was, wasn't there. It, it happened a lot over these three years. I actually... Um saw a video that one of our pushback talk supporters put out there, Doris um, Voss. Uh, it was a, a YouTube video of um, the Minister of Housing, Steph Block. And I actually found it, it was humorous in a way and ob obviously devastating in another way. 
because he he's speaking to a room of investors. It's all these men in suits, white men in suits. And he's he's reassuring them about how Netherlands is going to come through and have a better housing system going forward. And he talks specifically about decreasing social housing, removing rent controls, introducing short-term rental platforms in a more enhanced way, and going after pension funds and global investors to really energize the housing system in Netherlands. (laughs) And he he got everything. He got everything. That's bingo. I mean, that's like, like, come on, it's cool. I mean, this is the global model and and he could see it. The global model for the global housing crisis. How do you destroy people's lives? Well, here's the recipe. Exactly. I love it. I love it. It's really important to understand that this happened at a moment when the waiting lists for social housing were already were already enormously high when 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 people in social housing with low income were already paying 40-50% of their income only on rent. Crazy. You know, so so there wasn't this idea of thinking of how can we make it more affordable for people with low income, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was it was purely financially driven. This has already started over 30 years ago. This idea of, well, when neoliberalization basically started in many Western countries. And I think it's, it's interesting that focus of the Ministry of, of Housing that we once had has shifted to a focus on the housing market. It's about facilitating the housing market and, and not so much uh, housing for, for all, uh, let alone affordable housing. Um, yeah, as, as Jan says, I think that's what we as a movement also see as the fundamental problem, that it's not about housing for all. We had one pushback talks with Franz Timmermans, who is a former Dutch foreign minister, now um, EU commissioner, vice president of the European Commission. And he basically said it was a great mistake to deregulate the markets like we did. So I guess he is not in power in the Netherlands right now, but can you feel that more and more politicians actually are understanding that this is, we've lost control and we have to kind of rewind in some ways? Yes and no. I think that the language of, of, of housing as a right is being used more particularly by leftist political parties. But I think the idea that there's something fundamentally wrong with how we approach the housing issue still feel that that is lacking. It's still really about, okay, there's a housing market. Even in our talk with the minister, she said, oh, but I, of course, there's a right to housing. I fully accept that and um, uh, acknowledge that. Um, But but yet she talks only about a housing market. Um, That doesn't connect (laughs) for me. You have to push it one step Um, further. Yes, and even even politicians who um, who really say in their political plan- pamphlets, for example, uh, rights, housing is rights, still when you look at their ideas, their concrete plans for policy changes, etc., feel um, they haven't really been looking at what does that mean and what do we need to do, uh, for example, that the problem of unhoused people is not a priority for many uh, political parties. That really says it all. <laughs> yeah, no, I fully agree with Gwen I, in the sense that um, everybody now, every political party, and even the even I say every political party 
uh, will say housing is a right. It's fundamental. It's uh, it's fundamental to be uh, to to live. And then indeed, uh, they approach it from the, the the current system, which is a market-based system, and then look at uh, the, the proposals that they have are mostly reacting to excesses of that market, and then trying to you know put band-aids on that instead of. And that's the step back that we need to make. Instead of really making that shift, and I know that's what Leilani is standing for also, is taking the right to housing as the fundament of, of your housing strategy, of your vision of housing and how it should be. And then there is a place for the market. I don't think there, is, there isn't a blueprint for how to do that, you know, how to uh, fulfill the right to housing, how to respect and protect the uh, right to housing. And the market can absolutely play a role in it. But the way it's now, it's that market is the, the fundamentals, and then the right to housing is used as a band-aid, and it should be, uh, uh, the shift should be that the right to housing is the fundament, and then, you know, it's the basis, and then the market can help to fulfill the right to housing. And every time you look at these solutions uh, that come from political parties, it's, it should be looked at from how is this going to fulfill the right to housing for all, and and that's really important also with the, with the movement and with the protest, with a priority to housing the homeless and the people who are now in marginalized housing. Well, just first to say that I really liked the way Jan articulated that. I, I think you've said it better than I've said it previously, to be honest, um, which is we do need governments to lead with human rights. Right now, governments cower and are in the hands of investors and uh, corporate actors and landlords and developers, the whole industry. So they allow that industry, including the financialized end of that industry, to lead, to, to, to lead really, as Gwen said, it, it, it is how they move forward their housing market um, and markets. And there has to be that fundamental shift to saying, well, we as government have uh, belief and understanding and obligations that housing is a human right, and we're going to lead with that. But that requires governments to really step forward and step up because it's they are the ones with the obligations, and they are going to have to show the sector how to engage housing in a way that moves forward the human right to housing. And that means looking at things like profitability totally differently. As as Jan said, it doesn't mean there's no role for the private market. It, it's a different role, and it's it's one that they don't get to lead. They're following... But Leilani, is there a role for this financialized finance world? I keep, yeah, I keep getting asked that. I mean, into the Netherlands, it's flooding in a lot of money, that, and it, it all gets parked into you know, real estate, as they call it. And this happens everywhere. And it is destroys the market. There isn't a role for it in its current dominance in the way that it is running now. I have heard of some funds for the development of housing that are different, that are more in keeping with the human rights approach, even real estate investment trusts for social good. But in their current form, Blackstone, private equity, BlackRock, no, there isn't. I don't think it can continue. I think it has to so stop. So how how can you stop? Because I know that Blackstone is also 
investing a lot into the Netherlands. How can you how can you make your country less attractive? I know Denmark had have a legislation. The Germans tried; it got stopped in the in the constitutional court. But I guess they will try again. But so, what can you do in the Netherlands to keep them out? I think um, a, a lot of, of our demands of the current uh, movement are to turn things back to change the situation to what it was uh, uh, a couple of years ago. For example, rent uh, controls, rent protection. As Lailani talked about, a former minister, Steph Block, really saw that as an opportunity for investors to uh, minimize uh, rent protection. So that now we have an evaluation of five years of, of less control and protection, and we, we're seeing the devastating impacts of that on, on people paying too much rent, moving, having to move every, every two years, uh, which wasn't the case before. Um, one of our other demands is more investment by the government in social housing and also not limiting access to social housing to the lowest income groups. Because a lot of people who are above that income threshold, uh, they're really having trouble paying rent when you're on the free market of rental housing. Or, you know, a lot of these people are not able to have a mortgage. So the government needs to step in also for these groups. And this is something that's that's uh, been a deliberate policy over 30 years to minimize the social housing sector. Uh, so we need more investment to have uh, affordable housing for the lowest income groups, but also the lower middle income groups, if you if you will. And I think that... That's a message that hasn't really arrived yet in our former, uh, the, the political parties are, are now um, negotiating for a new uh, government because we have had elections, well, a year ago it seems. <laughs> already, but yes. They're still negotiating. But still they're no negotiating which coalition should lead the country. And unfortunately it seems like it's going to be the same coalition. So not going, uh, I don't think there's going to be much change. So we need to uh, also mobilize people to, to protest um, more locally. Um, Jen, can I ask, uh, as a lawyer, a human rights lawyer, you used to work at the <clears throat> National Human Rights Institution. Do you think that there's any scope, room for legislative change? Uh, is that something that you're thinking about uh, in the Netherlands context? I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, potential in terms of legislative change is on on the the, the, the minor things. So it's 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 what Gwen Gwen also indicated. You know, it's about uh, creating room for municipalities to uh, to, to to have this. Um, when when you buy a house, you have a duty to live in it yourself, which is a, a, a sort of a, a way to to. Um, to ban investors, <laughs> basically. Um, so there are there are a few things that you could do in terms of uh, of legislation. I think there's certainly a, a number of things you could do in, in terms of legislation to enhance uh, t tenant protection, uh, to enhance also participation of tenants in in in, in shaping policies at a local level. Um, but it's a, it's a complicated system because uh, in the sense that you can centralize some of the, the stuff uh, in terms of policies and legislation, but there is also a lot of room for municipalities to decide right. themselves. Um, so maybe about every, the, about the every city, every municipality needs its own human rights-based strategy, is what you're saying. 
well, for me, I think I think human rights in that sense of are really, really interesting in a decentralized uh, country like the Netherlands, because um, what, whatever way you look at it, the state is responsible. The state has duties. Right. So the human rights framework provides a framework for the states in, in which they can enact uh, legislation, policies, strategies, et cetera, et cetera. And all of those state actors need to abide by it, municipalities and, and national government. And what I see, for example, in a, in a homelessness discussion is that one of the, one of the key indicators for, for, for fulfillment of the right to housing is, of course, the rise in, in number of homeless people. And what, what has happened in the Netherlands is that they decentralized the whole homelessness policies. So they, uh, they, they decentralize from national government to the municipalities. And at a certain point um, where before it was nationally the homeless people were counted, municipalities were now made responsible for it. So some municipalities weren't counting, others are counting but only counting a certain amount of categories, everybody's using a different definition, etc., etc. Lots of, lots of frustration, right? So now when we have, we have a, a, a secretary of state who is responsible for homelessness, who is at the Ministry of Health, by the way, not the ministry responsible for housing, but anyway, he, he is indicated, you know, I want to, I, I have this action plan and it's based on housing for, for homeless people. And um, of course, when you have this policy, you want to understand the effects of this policy, right? So first of all, you need to create a baseline. You need to understand how many homeless people do we have in the Netherlands, right? So let's let's ask the municipalities <laughs> how many homeless people. And we're we're one one year into this policy, and it's it's going to end also in, in, in very soon. But we're one year into this policy, and nobody knows how many homeless people there are in the Netherlands. I mean, statistics: Netherlands comes up with a figure like thirty-six or thirty-eight thousand, but it's a, it's not a it's not a really interesting data. What you really want to know is really how do you count the homeless and, and how many people are there in order to assess the effect of your policy now yeah and how many people are under stress of not being able to pay the rent I mean, exactly well for, that's that also goes for uh, for journalists or architects or painters absolutely or whoever absolutely. you are taxi drivers or nurses or policemen you know it's like it's a whole society i mean i can hear that amsterdam has a problem getting teachers because the teachers can't afford to live in Amsterdam. Anymore. Yeah, but then the so it's it's the, the, the just to finish that that homelessness story. Of course, the the central government is really uh, not so keen on telling municipalities what to do, and the municipalities don't really like to get orders from 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 the national government because you know they have this freedom of of, of making the policies themselves. But now you can use, of course, the human rights framework to say, well, you know, the national government can say, well, you know, we need to understand how many homeless people there are because it's an essential indicator for the right to housing. So if we get questions from the UN or from the European uh, uh, Committee on Social Rights, we need to tell them something. And that really is um, uh, a way also for, for the national government to keep you know, to, to at least provide a framework for these municipalities to work in and not to allow them all sorts of freedoms to do whatever they like uh, within, um, well, whatever limits they, they, they like. So I think the human rights framework in a decentralized setting like that really, really works well also. Um, mm. I, I have, I mean, we're soon wrapping up here, but I... The, what you're doing in the Netherlands now with the protest is big, what you've had this weekend, 
in Rotterdam and what you had in Amsterdam the week before. This is, I mean, you were all listening to each other. So what do you think is the message to other activists in other countries from the Netherlands? What are you, what are you bringing in for, for inspiration? What, I mean, I, you can also answer that, Leilani. What, what do you see coming? It's, because I think this is, are you doing it in a way that could also inspire others? How do you see it, Gwen? Um, I think um, I think it's important that we first have a, a broad conversation about this in the Netherlands because I feel that that there hasn't been um, a real understanding of all the issues. Um, so I th I feel that we're really at the beginning of this movement. That's an important I, step. And even though I know I know that many. Um, this is not, uh, I mean that there are many, many action groups has, have been uh, fighting for the right to housing for years. Um, but I think um, it, for a long, it, until recently, it's been seen as an issue of, well, some marginalized groups are being hit by this housing. But it's not really a housing crisis that um, affects so many people. Um, and only recently, I think that that that's become uh, the the main yeah the the dominant view like oh there this is really um, now even uh, people who are uh, have a higher education. Yeah, that's, that's why that's why I said it because if we only talk about the homeless, which is of course really important. Yeah. We, we kind of, it's not for all to talk about. I think it's important that we, we understand that this is something that affects almost everyone. There is, I mean, yes, Occupy Wall Street some, some created groups. this 1%, so they do they better. Of course, yeah. there, there might be 30% who are not suffering, but I mean, I mean, even the people with money, they, their kids are suffering, you know? So it's, it's uh, so it's it's creates a total stress and then your local coffee shop and then the cinema who can't pay the rent any longer i mean it it, it destroys communities destroys the cities mm -hmm. yeah but th th this has been going on for for a it while um, for example i'm also involved in in the rotterdam action group right to the city we started this because we were uh, very unhappy with the gentrification policies who really displace uh, lower income groups so this was we started just before i think uh, the conversation really started in the netherlands more more broadly and i think on one hand it's unfortunate unfortunate that it only becomes this this huge topic when the middle classes are are being hit and on the other hand yeah that's the way it works apparently well, and use uh, the and power I'm of the middle class to to change things i mean i, I think that's why berlin is is actually shaking things yeah. now i mean what to say yeah, well, we need to continue to talk about all the uh, different groups that are, that are being hit and not leave the most marginalized groups who've been hit and uh, have been vulnerable for years already, uh, leave them behind once the problems are solved for, for the higher income groups. So, so I think that's, that's really a challenge that we can uh, already think about okay, how to handle this and how to continue, how to take this forward. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree with Gwen. I think, I think we need to be really, really aware and very conscious of the fact that indeed uh, now the middle class is being hit, the, the conversation starts shifting eh, in the Netherlands and it becomes a, it, it only became, became a housing crisis when also the middle class uh, was hit. But I think 
there again, and I, I'm, I'm really ferocious about, about this human rights framework, <laughs> but <laughs> looking at it from a right to housing, we need to continue looking at it and we need to, well, start maybe looking at it from a right to housing perspective, because if uh, we are not careful, then the solutions that are going to be brought to the table are solutions only for those middle class people. And even though they are affected highly by the housing crisis and increasingly looking at it from a human dignity perspective, it is the people who are in marginalized housing, who are in unsafe conditions, who are homeless and houseless. They are discriminated against and, and don't even have access to housing. Those people whose human dignity is most affected at this moment by the housing crisis. And so solutions from a human rights perspective should focus on their situation as a top priority. Mm. I'm a filmmaker uh, and I mean, I've, I knew if I should be successful with a film, it needed to hit everybody in the audience yeah. in the stomach, meaning also the middle class. And I, th I actually believe that change comes with a lot of people in society moving in solidarity, of course, with the most vulnerable. But I, I, but I, I think. But if we if we only talk about the homeless, we kind of we lose the power of the change, which I think you have in your hands. If you have ten thousand out on the streets of, of Rotterdam and more in Amsterdam, you something is happening. And this is also I, I think the Berlin story, where over one yeah. million voted for socializing housing. It's 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 a big thing. I would say that it is good for everyone, including the, ho the homeless. But of course, I understand that it's easy to forget about the most. Well, I think that's one lesson from the movement. And I look at it from a certain distance. So Gwen can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a very diverse movement. And, and you know, where all of these organizations were first focusing on specific issues, specific groups in specific municipalities, they all came together now. And it's become a very diverse movement. And you look at what happened yesterday in Rotterdam. 10,000 people. It's a very, very diverse group. Young people, families, old people, people with disability, uh, people of color, everybody. Everybody was there. And everybody was there for, because they are affected somehow by this housing crisis. And I think that indeed, that diversity is, is crucial to, to build a movement. So fully agree with you, Frederick, that you need... Thank you. you, need, I, you I need people yeah, to yeah, agree yeah, with no, me. No, 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 I will try I myself to, to, to sleep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Leilani, well, give I me mean, some comfort. If, if what we're talking about is really fundamentally changing an existing, very entrenched, very powerful system that has captured government, then we need everyone in. And, and we need our, the middle-class folks who are suffering because though they're suffering... They're also, st many of them are still at least housed, and they then have better capacity sometimes to rail and advocate, et cetera, because they have more resources uh, to support them. And so, so it's an all-in situation at this point. I mean, it would be like saying, oh, you know, only some people should be r rallying against climate change. No, it's an all-in situation for sure. But I take Jan's point that when it comes to then solving the crisis, it's very easy to go to the middle class for governments because that's where they will get economic growth. They can figure out 
ways to extend mortgages to young families and mortgages are about economic growth whereas providing social housing and deeply affordable housing can lead to economic growth it's just a different kind of economic growth it's over a longer period of time it's economic growth by supporting people who are disadvantaged so that they can contribute to the economy so it's it's having to switch notions of what is economic growth what is growth for a country um so all in but focused policies (laughs) but it's also about understanding that poverty is expensive for a society poverty has a very high price Uh, and i mean i can see it here in in my own town malmo sweden where people are not sleeping in the streets but the city that's right bill for homeless is growing a lot so so the city has to pay more because of these financial institutions entering into the housing market, pushing up the rents, and then the city has to pay more rents for the people who are being kicked out of the market. So I think also the cities need to to fight the financialization because it's- Yeah, making them poorer. It's destroying also their economy. Frederick, I think we're at time. Yes, yes. So we've been talking (laughs) a long time and we love to talk, (laughs) don't we? Yes, yeah. (laughs) I could go we can on. go on. <laughs> so, but uh, Gwen, I wish you and your friends in uh, in in Von Abstand and and Von and Von Protest. Protest. Von Abstand von and Abstand Von Protest and, von Protest. and all the other and all the other movements. That are I wish you good coming, luck. Yeah, Keep us posted over Thank over you. Twitter. That's like where we most of the time are, so we can follow and and retweet your work. Uh, sometimes also in English, it's a little bit better. Because our, our Dutch is rusty. <laughs> yeah. I will. But we will. And Jan, good luck with the, the shift the Netherlands and you and your work and, and don't let the minister go get away with just uh, saying he understands and not acting. It's not a, it's Absolutely. not enough. Yeah. And Leilani, we will soon talk again we have to we have to talk about how we fund this this podcast i know it's a boring point but it's your job <laughs> my job i get the boring <laughs> i get the boring job of asking for money we have a patreon account which you can access anywhere where you download our podcast and you just click on that link and then you look up pushback talks and then you give generously or just a, a euro a euro a month yeah. We love friends. A euro a month is also nice. So it's it keeps gives us some kind of energy. It's actually hard to be sustainable as doing this because I'm I have to work on a new film project, nothing to do with this, and and you do your work. So this is like on top of everything. So it is a bit stressful not having money. But anyway, we love to meet cool and active people. So that's also you we also get energy back by doing the podcast. So Thank you very much, and uh, Gwen, Jan, Leilani, see you soon out there, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Frederick. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week.